0: I think it's very easy to get caught up in this is the horse aspect without understanding how did this become a reality how mm-hmm. How is this a maintained reality mm-hmm. and i want I want others like us to know that it's doable. you know we weren't all you know born with silver spoons or any spoons, but you know mm-hmm. it it can be done and it can be achieved and I don't think it's um I think it is important to give a realistic three. Dimensional
1: uh-huh.
0: aspect of it. I am. I am. I am. I
1: am a young.
2: I am
0: a young. I'm a young. I am.
1: And I am
2: a young black. A young black. Young black. A young black. Black. Black equestrian. 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 Black equestrian. Equestrian. Black equestrian. Equestrian. Black equestrian. I'm a young black equestrian. I am a young black equestrian. <laughs> hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of young black equestrians with your hosts abriana johnson and caitlin gooch today we have the fine chocolate man with us here today (laughs) robert bowden who is not only a chocolatier i said that right right chocolatier Yes, we do. But he also has horses, competes, and is you know Thanks. about that equestrian life. So we wanted to bring him on the show today to share his story, his journey, and really everything he has to offer from entrepreneurship to equestrianism and everything in between. So welcome to the show, Robert.
0: Thank you, guys. Thank you. It's a pleasure.
2: Hey. <laughs> but we know about you and we've been, you know, back and forth, talking, engaging for quite some time now, but yeah. I know that everybody watching doesn't know who you are, or what you do. So briefly tell us, you know, your location, current discipline you have, yeah. current horses you have, like, just give us a brief rundown.
0: Okay. Um, at this very moment, I am uh, in Warchers, Tennessee. I have, I'm at a farm here. I have place. Um, my permanent residence is New Jersey, um, but I'm originally from the South, so I still have a place here in Tennessee. Um, I am a chocolatier by profession. I make custom chocolates for uh, corporate gifts, events, uh, business and people, just things. Um, that has been my career for the last seven years almost I've had my business going for about about eight seven eight years um my discipline my breed of choice is Tennessee walking horse um I embrace all the disciplines with that I think um I love showing horses I'm very competitive and so I have over the years competed in pretty much all of the disciplines within that saddle seat driving western um obstacles and endurance I've done all of those I like saddle seat because I get to dress and wear it, like and show an a style aspect as opposed to just eventing mm-hmm. um but I really like driving driving if if I could have a passion it would be driving I like mm-hmm. fine harness um I like the pageantry of it I like the showiness that um that makes it stand out from just an endurance type thing So it sort Oh, and I have two horses. Um, I have an 11-year-old mare and I have a three-year-old stud that I recently put in training. So yeah, so that's where we are. Um, I'm trying to finalize the gilding that I mentioned in passing. So when that happens, I will be back on to talk about him too. But no, I have a mare and a stud um, and they're both performance and pretty, pretty cool. I like them.
2: Awesome. Awesome. So how did you get into horses in the first place?
0: Um, I was born into the business. Uh, My dad was a horse trainer before I was born. Um, I really didn't know that until I expressed interest in horses. I mean, we went to horse shows, he knew horse people, but I didn't know until I was about seven or eight that my dad was actually a competitive trainer. Um, because by the time I came along, he had started another company. It was, you know, his profession was uh, custom furniture. He built furniture. So I sort of took for granted that all of our family friends had horses. I just thought everyone had horses. So I didn't think anything of that, Um, but I expressed interest in wanting to compete and going to shows fairly early. And so um, I started riding when I was seven. Um, started competing when I was 10. And so it's been uh, a full life passion ever since. So, Wow. Wow. What
2: was your first horse?
0: Um, my first horse was a yearling that I didn't know was a yearling. Um, my dad, I was about 10 years old. Um, and I I wanted a horse. Of course, you know, I rode horses and rode other people's stuff, but I wanted my own horse. And so um, my dad bought me a filly. And I didn't know at the time that she wasn't broke. Um, I just thought I couldn't ride. So he taught me to ride and broke my filly at the same time. So I wasn't sure if he was trying to kill me or just, you know, inspire me. But um, oh. I got a, a yeah probably and so but no i had her name was star uh because her name was star uh and great she was a very she was my best friend like as a as an only child i had um my dog and my horse and that was we went everywhere and did everything um Mm -hmm. i eventually learned to stay on Mm -hmm. i.e she grew up um and and so but by the time she was about two and a half almost three we were a force and we showed and competed and I could do whatever with her. She was my let's run off the bank and jump into the pond kind of horse. Or if I want to go fishing and I could just sit there and do, she was whatever endurance obstacle. She didn't care. Um, so yeah, that was my first horse. I was still 10 years old.
1: Oh, it's probably because y'all had so much time and growing together. Like I'm Mm. pretty sure she trusted you and you trusted her by that. Whatever.
0: Like she was my buddy, like from, you know, from, from 10 to she passed and that was, I mean, I had her for well over, well over 10 years or so. Um, Yeah, she just, it was, she was me and her. And so even when I got what I would call, show um, more higher priced mounts or more prestigious uh, horses to show, they none of them taught me what she taught me. None of them, I had some really strong bonds with my horses but when it's your first you know how it's just that was your first horse and everybody and remembers so, the first time yes yeah, first horse first blue ribbon like all of those things so all of my memories like that are tied to her and um and in retrospect she really was way more capable than I think I gave her credit for because she could show on an open circuit, on a sanctioned circuit, on a four-inch circuit and do fine and all. I mean, very few horses are good across um, mm-hmm. platforms like that, but she really didn't care. If we put her on the trailer, she went and I never had really, she never questioned what I asked her to do. It was just, she went. So I'm, I'm very appreciative of her, of her now, given what I know about more horses. So yeah, she was a good one.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so this was, where did you say you were from? Alabama.
0: I'm born and raised Alabama. in Alabama, went to okay. the UA. Um, I grew up in a town called Tuscaloosa. So okay. um, yeah, and I, like I said, everyone, everyone in our sphere rode. I mean, there's farm country. So it's like, even if you didn't compete, you sort of had horses. Right. So that's something that I didn't. I will say I took for granted until I grew up and moved away and realized that it's not as easy to just have horses when you don't live in a place that's conducive to it like that. So yeah, being in Jersey has made me appreciate being able to get back to the South.
3: Yeah.
1: Were they competing too?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, people, some, I mean, I knew a lot and even some of them eventually became my customers when I turned pro. Um, Yeah. most. Everybody, it's, our weekend thing was going to a horse show. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, you would see people you saw during the week. We're all in some random city showing horses almost every other weekend. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a fairly competitive town. Um, and, and like I said earlier, I guess I just didn't, I didn't realize that there was a world where that was not the norm. And so... When all of my childhood friends or my dad's buddies or moms or whatever, we all had horses. So, yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. So, you slid that in there uh, when I turned pro. Let's
1: (laughs) talk about your your journey there.
2: What made you decide? Because I know there's a big conversation around amateur versus pro with Youssef and all their rules and yada, yada, yada. We don't have to go that nitty gritty, but Um, I just want to hear how you made that. But how did I get there?
0: Um, You get out of college or you're ending your college career and you realize I have to do a job. Um, I majored uh, in speech communication and theater. So I grew up, I showed amateur youth all up till I was 17, Um, competed amateur as well, but I showed in that division. and mentally i always knew i would show horses um i just knew i needed to get a job to be able to pay for them um so as i was nearing my end of college i still competed all through college so i did mention um even if i worked as a uh, stable hand or my parents were like we'll pay for school we won't pay for your horses in training and school um so i took on a job working at a training stable just as just to be able to keep my horses and keep active um i knew i needed to do something and so right after a competition a gentleman approached me and asked me had i considered turning pro and i hadn't considered turning pro it wasn't a, but i thought well he's offering me a relocation package a salary so I term pro. It was, it was literally a, a snap decision of I'm done with school. He offered me a job. It literally was a snap decision. So it wasn't a lot of contemplation. It was you're going to pay me to do what I was going to have to pay someone to do for me. Great. <laughs> so that's kind of how. And it just I didn't know what trajectory it would take me. I just ran with it. And um I moved to Texas, became a horse trainer. And yeah, the next 15 years.
2: So let's bring that back. So did you know okay. this man? Was this, no, he was, did it, he just literally some,
1: competing?
0: Yeah, he, he was a competitor. He was actually someone we had just beat in competition. Um, and <laughs> I was, that's pretty much how my professional career as a horse trainer went. I literally was scalped each time over the course of the years from someone I had just beat. And um, that was, I finished the competition. Um, and at the competition, the guy asked me, was I interested in turning professional? And I was like, hadn't thought about it. And he says, think about it. And he says, um, this is what I can offer. If you're interested, be at this competition on this day and I'll relocate you to Texas. And 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 he did. And best best decision I made, he was a great, a mentor, probably one of the hardest working people that I knew, because um, it was just the two of us, and we had like fifty horses. Wow. Um, and so we had one assistant, me and him, and and I learned a lot about being managing my own program. I learned a lot about how to. Um, we'll talk about like the the question: Do you ever have mares? Do you find mares to be easier than Gilden's? Yeah. Well my entire string, my entire string was mares. I had 11 fillies from age uh, two to 15. Mm -hmm. So you learn, what it taught me was that every horse is different. Um, You only get in trouble when you think there's a cookie cutter method. And so each mare I had to approach differently. And, And they were all phenomenal. I ended up winning my first world championship with one of those fillies and so it for the appreciation that it gave to me of horse for horse training was that I can't bring whatever baggage I had from the last horse to the next horse right I have to you know she does not care that I had a bad ride five minutes ago I need to pull it together and be in control of the situation and go and myself more so and give her the credence to be whatever she is that moment to be that. And so I think it helped me a lot because I don't, I don't try to shoehorn horses into, um, one frame. Right. Yeah. So I think that, Mm -hmm. I mean, that definitely, uh, impacted how I train and, you know, when, when that's what you got, you you're, I was 19. Yeah, I was 19. So it's kind of like, I could complain that, and I really didn't know all of my first horses were mares. So I didn't really know that there was a stigma about having mares over gildans my first horse was a mare my second horse was a mare um, so you know it didn't really make any difference to me
1: yeah, yeah I didn't know either because I had all mares um and people you know that mayor stare and all that stuff but you had started touching on things that leads into our next question yeah. what is one of the biggest challenges you faced with horses and what did you learn from it
0: Um, my mentor, my first, my first trainer was probably my strongest influence as a understanding horses. And what I found as a child, he says, you know, a good horse will make a bad trainer look real good, but it takes a great trainer to make a bad horse look decent. And so it taught me that expecting it to be easy or expecting it to be done for me would be my downfall as a trainer. If I didn't understand that it's work on my part, if I'm expecting them to work, it's gotta be work on my part too. So for challenges, I think when I, it wasn't in my early career, but when I moved to like, I would say the the next level or the top level where I ended up, I finished my training career, I moved to a barn that had it's star trainer. There were ten of us. There was star trainer plus all of the secondary trainers, and we had a hundred horses. Um, it was very odd watching horses not be given a chance. Like we had a three month. If you didn't, if you didn't go from zero to show ready in three months, you were gone. So they were trying. They were. It was a. It was a program. It was a successful program. It was a very particular program. Mm-hmm. And so the challenge to me was staying in my lane when I knew this horse can get ready and this horse can get ready in in three months, six months, whatever. All horses aren't like that. It didn't mean the horse was bad. It just, they weren't gonna turn the corner like that. Um, so it was hard watching horses that I knew probably would be great, watch them get churned out of a, a mill that, Hopefully, the next person that got them took the time. That was a, that was hard to to stomach. For me, though, I'm like, I like the I like the quirky ones. I like I like them when they have a story their own. So I can I can appreciate it. You know when, um, you know my current mayor has personality in spades, and she I like her for that reason. And when I moved her, I just relocated her training. I was very particular about where I put her because I didn't want them to hamper that spirit and I didn't want them to try to beat it out of her or whatever because she, like I said, she's a ham she is but she delivers when it's showtime like you know when it's when you get to the show and it's ready to go she's always game and and so if that means that she's odd in the ties or stall that's fine I don't bother and stall. do your thing so yeah I think that's that was the hardest obstacle watching what I would call probably great horses get missed
2: Right, right. I wanted to go back to, you mentioned that you majored in what in school? Theater? Communication,
0: theater and communication. I wanted to be, uh, my dream was to be a lobbyist for the horse industry. That was what I thought I was going to do. Uh, okay. And for the walking horse in particular. And so I majored in um, speech communication, um, minor in theater because I'm sort of theatrical. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and so... It was um that was the goal and at the same time i made peace with the fact that i i wasn't i don't want to say i didn't think i would ever use it but i was fine if i knew i didn't use my degree for my career i I didn't pursue the career i didn't pursue the degree thinking it was a career
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I know we have a lot of like college students that listen. So I just mm-hmm. wanted yeah. to highlight that fact that, you know, it, it's not disrespected.
0: Yeah. It'll do you you will get the education for yourself. Um, my father's phrase was with a trade I get paid, a degree I do for me. And he says, So find something that you can do. Figure out it doesn't matter what it is that you can do that's a skill or Something that you will always you will always be able to be to get paid if you have something that you can do, and he says now get a degree. He said by all means get it, um, use it to enrich your life. There are things that you learn from going to college that have nothing to do with that piece of paper. Yeah. But so go so definitely I definitely encourage that, but also don't feel trapped into. I I spent this money to go to college. I've got to pursue this path, and if mm-hmm. I don't, I fail. No, don't don't get. I'm, yeah. no, it's <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. you'll but take a lot you, of turns along the way.
2: Do you think that your degree, or at least having that little bit of uh, professional education has helped you in your entrepreneurship side of things?
0: Um, the degree, no. Going to college, I went to the University of Alabama. Navigating the University of Alabama as a as a Black student Um taught me a lot of systems. It taught me how how I am where I am viewed in systems, how to navigate those systems. So I think it definitely taught me about life. It taught me um, how to be autonomous in, in my choices, but very aware of how that reads on a bigger scale. So yeah, I think if I didn't go um, if I didn't go to college, there are some lessons that I would have had to learn. That might have cost me more, right. or been, um, you know, could have been more detrimental. Mm-hmm. In college, we we're all floundering our way through, um, and so having gone, I think, yeah, it's it's good. The degree, yeah, don't get hung up on the piece of paper. It could be in anything. Like I knew I wanted to go be a student that went to the University of Alabama. That I knew. Primarily because, you know, my mom went there and the degree with the tuition was cheaper, but also that what the piece of paper was um, didn't define me. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
0: But get it. You know, if you can get it, get it. If you find another path, I encourage both. Um, Mm -hmm. But the going to college was more important than in what particular field.
1: Yeah, because there are um, quite a few adults, you know, mm-hmm. who are surprised when life really hits them, and they have these interactions that they never had. And through college, we do get those experiences. Yeah,
0: I think it. I think it's um, use each stage for, pre- for preparation for the next stage, and I think that's very trite to say to some degree, but it's very, very important because. Where you are now is never where you're gonna end up. It just happens to be where you are now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so appreciate it, live in it, own it. Um, but you also don't get to determine where you go because if you'd asked me at any point in my past would I live in New Jersey, I would have, I hadn't even thought about it. Jersey was never on my map, but you know, here I am and I've been there 10 years. Um, did I think I would be a, a chocolatier? No. That's, that's not anywhere between school and horses and theater and all of those things. No, being mm-hmm. a chocolate chip was not it, but here I am. Mm-hmm. And it allows me to do the things that I love. So say yes to life. I tell people that that's a easy, you know, when the guy asked me, did I want to become a professional trainer? Wasn't thinking about that. But I'm like, hey, I'm glad I did. Um, And so I hope people enjoy the moment. Don't stress. Yeah. You know, you'll get through it. It might not look anything like you think it'll look, but you'll get through it.
2: Yeah. 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 That's cool. That's cool. Um, Our next question is, what is a common misconception people have about your discipline?
0: Um, That it's artificial. Tennessee walking horses in the breed, the misconception in general is that our horses are manufactured. Our horses are genetically designed not to trot. They also don't rack. They have a bilateral gait. Um, it is very rhythmically based. Um, if you really, it was, people talk about saddlebreds and walking horses and saddle seed in general, but walking horses in particular were designed to traverse plantations. So their gait allows them to not step on crops. Their gait allows them to be smooth riding over thousands of acres. Because if I had to post that, I'm not riding that all day, (laughs) Um, you know, I'm just not doing it. And then if you have a diagonal gait, every two steps, you're gonna step on the crops in the middle. So our breed is designed genetically to make it easy to traverse long distances comfortably. And that's why I ride it. Um, we get a lot of bad press for things that have happened in the past. And I mean, mm-hmm. I don't deny those things. There were, there are always, there's unscrupulous people in, in everything. Yeah. Um, but I love the breed. I love training them. I love showing them. And our horses are very addictive. Our, we Our breeders association used to have a motto a while back that said, um if you ride one today you'll own one tomorrow and that was true and that was because um it's a very forgiving horse thankfully um it i think it's a very it has the aspects of show horses with the personality of pleasure horses um the gait is so fun to ride so um all ages whether you're you know you're 5 we have Kids competing on performance horses as young as six um, the last, the oldest winning world champion was 95 so you can show them throughout your life
1: that is the truth <laughs> <laughs> She's the one with the, with the walking horse.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna hop on my walking horse soapbox today because this is about Rob. Yeah. I as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I You know, I've
0: ridden, see... and truth, I've ridden,
1: yeah. Oh, go ahead.
0: No, I was gonna say, I've ridden most breeds. I, I'm a horse person. So I have ridden and I can appreciate all the different things but i can say that having ridden most breeds i'll come back to a walking horse every time i just you know when i want to enjoy it when i don't when yeah i don't there's a they're they're just different they're very their their behavior their personality their temperament it's all just very different
2: i want to kind of switch gears for a little bit um to talk about your entrepreneurship journey. Um yeah. Rob, Robert was in my goal setting. Um very session helpful very that he did. Huh?
0: It was very helpful. I tell everybody take it, take your goal setting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was super super cool. I think it that was my second time doing it, but the first time I did it just with like friends and close, mm-hmm. close people But how did you go from college to horse trainer to chocolatier and is there anything else in the middle there
0: a lot there was a lot in the middle when i'm in 2005 we had pretty much won every in our division our breed um, we'd won the world grand championship we'd won everything that you could win as a barn and i thought well what next i mean we literally had won every divisional world championship possible as well as the um top one and so i thought i need to be looking at what else i said because eventually it will be every dog has his day so i'm like we're on top now we've won the last seven eight years consistently and i said someone it's going to be someone else's turn for it didn't matter whether i was still good or competitive we had been that way and at the top of the industry for almost 10 years and i said it's going to be someone else's turn so i wanted to leave um leave that region and area on a, on a high note um so right after that i went to chicago which is why i have a 312 number i went to chicago um, and became i was in hospitality management um i managed spas and salons I ended up becoming a headhunter for a corporation. So I found execs. um, Did that for, I was in Chicago four years. And I realized I'm not designed to work for anybody. (laughs) Um, I realized working a corporate gig in Chicago that I'm not not cut out for that life. Um, So I came home, spent about a year regrouping and decided I'm gonna go open up a training stable somewhere other than the Southeast, because the Southeast is saturated with walking horses and walking horse professionals. I believed in the breed and I wanted to go somewhere that there was not a lot of walking horses or not a lot of professionals to talk about it so I could provide some sort of education. And it was between Idaho, kind of California, Idaho area and the Northeast. And the decision was basically, I can drive home to Alabama in a day from up here than I can from California. That was that was pretty much how I was. Um, no, and so I moved to New Jersey. I'm gonna open a training barn. It's gonna be the thing. I'm I'm a, a fairly competent trainer. Blah blah blah, and I tanked. Well, I can't say I tanked. I never got. It was a non-starter. Uh, the farm that I signed a lease on, I couldn't take possession of because the person refused to leave. Um, I hit all these roadblocks and i was like something's telling me not to train horses here um and i because i you know it wasn't that there weren't opportunities it was just not happening and the industry was changing politically uh, on a national scale and i had to make the decision that i needed to eat and i had a life to live and so i stopped i'd you know, I had enough in savings to kind of sit for a while. I said, let me recalibrate. And so I went back to business consulting, which is kind of what I finished in Chicago doing. Um, And a family friend was a chocolate maker. And um, I asked, he asked about business. He asked me, could I help him with business? I said, if you teach me about chocolate. And that was just a, you know, just a thing. Um, I wanted to be able to make something fancy for Christmas. So people would go, ooh, i made this. And he decided to get out of the business. Um, I still hadn't found what I was going to do. And I had written a business plan for him in passing that he passed on. And and I thought, well, it's sitting on my desk. I have a chocolate business plan that I wrote. Um, Let's try it. And that's literally how the business started. It was a, I wasn't sure, I had no idea. I mean, i never made chocolate for work or anything. I made stuff at home, but I did know that I was good at business. Business was my strong suit. And so I, I took the business plan that I wrote for this guy and seven years later, here we are, so.
1: Wow. So you just up yeah. on these opportunities.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm very much I, I believe in doing something I'm passionate about. And I I the reason chocolate of all the business plans and proposals that I wrote, horses are horses make me smile. And I wanted to do something as a career that also I enjoyed or made me smile. I didn't want to do, I was not gonna go into something just because it made money. Cause I did that in Chicago and I hated it. I hated it. Probably the most high paying job I've ever had was while I was in Chicago. And I quit and stormed out and threw my phone away and broke my laptop. It was that kind of, you know. But um, I said, you know, there was an opportunity in front of me, take it. Where will it go? Who knows? But um, I can't say I didn't think it would be, I would be doing it seven years later. But okay. I am, I'm glad that I took it um, because that's kind of what affords me to Still, keep playing horses after all these years. So, yeah.
1: You
2: said something. I just, I just keep running back mm-hmm. on things that you said. I'm like, I'm like, just Thanks. grabbing <laughs> onto words. You said something that really stood out to me when you were um, going to pursue your horse training journey mm-hmm. in the Northeast. Yeah. You said that you looked for a place that you could provide value. You could provide education, even if there weren't people already there doing it. And I think that is so important, not only as just a person who, you know, wants to pursue horses, but as a business person, you know, taking that, that having that mindset to, to think like, like, it's okay to be the only one, you know, you know, that you can provide value. So
0: I think a lot of what happened to our industry and what, what's hurting us right now is everyone moved to middle Tennessee. Everyone is in like a, a 20 mile radius. All of your top barns in the industry, I can walk to or drive to in an hour.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we have regions. We have, there's a huge continental US where there are people that, you know, horses resonate differently. Everyone isn't um, world-class level competitors which is what's primarily here in Middle Tennessee. But maybe, you know, the two-parent household that wants to provide, their kid loves a pony, they wanna see it every week. You know, most of my customers when I was in Tennessee lived in other countries and other states, so they never came in unless it was a show season. Um, but that's not everybody's approach to horses. And I remember my thing was, when I got out of school every day, I went to the barn. My parents got off work. We went to the barn. My friends got off. We all, there was a huge community stable where we all had different stalls in. It was our social hour. It was our evening activity. It was then, where are we going this weekend? So I thought, that's why I do horses. Not because I got to the level where we were world champions. It was because I got to do it every day and it was part of my life. And so I felt if the trainers, while they were complaining that um, there's not so not enough owners or there's a smaller pool to pool from, I said, no, you're just all sitting in the same pot. Go mm-hmm. somewhere else. Go somewhere and cultivate new people. Don't just keep wondering where the people who are third generation, second to third generation horse people, go bring new people in. But you kind of got to go where they are. They're not gonna, if you're in Wyoming, why would you have a horse in Tennessee and China? You know. You just wouldn't. Why would, how does your kid practice if the horse is in Tennessee? Right. So I had this huge um, talk. I was, you know, I was on the trainers committee. I was in in the trainers association. And I remember listening to these lamentations and I said, well, I can't expect them to go somewhere else if I'm not willing to go somewhere else.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and I think so, that yeah. that changes the the expectations of horse owners because a lot of people say that also. They're like, oh, you know, so and so boarded their horse here, and they never come to see them. Yeah, or, you know, if if we sometimes we have to be the ones to take a change ourselves.
0: To it's get, our profession. Yeah,
2: yeah, to get that to change the expectations because we're yeah. the ones running
0: it (laughs) we've committed we've committed to this being our thing so i have to be willing to look outside of my scope um and and i even when i decided to go out on my own everyone said oh you're going to open a barn you know here and i said why would i open a barn down the road from the barn that i just spent the last 10 years helping build that made no sense to me and why would then i it's like market share from an entrepreneurial perspective i don't I encourage, I encourage understanding your market, but I always tell people be very, liter, be very leery of, of market data in the context of if you're gonna start a business or not. And here's why, if you're looking at numbers and sales and um, units moved and all of this data, if you pick an industry, I don't care what it is, if you're looking at numbers, what you're really looking at is someone else's business you're looking at someone else's customer. So Mm -hmm. it isn't about creating a new product. You can be this best, but not only do I have to create a new product or service, I've got to convince you to leave where you are. If I'm looking at Mm -hmm. data, if I'm looking at someone else's data, I've got to not only be good at what I say I am and market it, I've got to convince you to leave. So that's a whole other obstacle. That's a whole other kind of fish. So I, when I go to new places, there is no data. If there are no owners, if there are no professional trainers where I am and there weren't in like a seven county, almost eight county radius, there was no one else that did what I did. There is no data. So you, it's it's fresh. It's, it's an opportunity to, to educate people who either are ignorant of or have only had secondary information. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's exciting because I'm starting from ground zero and not in a hole. And, and I think it's easy to get caught up in researching other people's stuff and what's worked for someone else. But mm-hmm. you got to figure mm-hmm. out what works for you.
1: mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> All of it. Oh. Um, our next question: What vision do you have for your future in this discipline?
0: Um, I want to get more. Um, I want to still compete. I I have a personal goal to place. Um, whether it's I I'd like I'm gonna be honest, I want to win a world championship as an amateur, mm-hmm. because in the entire history of my breed. As a performing, riding performance horses, there's never been a black person to win a world championship in the amateur division. Um, pleasure, yes, there's been a well, not even amateur. There've been some professionals that have won pleasure championships. Um, there's only been one professional to win a performance, and that was in 1984. Um, I have trained horses and put other people on horses that have won numerous world championships. I've done it time and again. So I know I can train a world champion. That's not my question at all, but Mm -hmm. I want under my ownership with my little face to win a world championship. That's what I would like to do. Mm -hmm. Whether that happens or not, I want to create a space and opportunity for other youth who didn't have the benefit of their dad being a horse trainer, um, people of color, black in particular, that, you know, hey, come ride. I got, if I've got two horses, the, like I can't ride them all the time, I have no problem getting someone in that wants to ride. And so that it's less, um, I think it's easy to say that it's a, a financial barrier, which horses are expensive, but that's not why we're not. Prevalent in the industry because we spend money on a lot of things, right. but but I do know that opportunity and exposure are very important, and so the same tactics that I use to promote my business and, and all of those things, if I can get to a place um, where I have and I and you don't you don't try to get too big too fast. If I have five horses in training where i'm like you know what let's create a plan of action for you and i'll probably be calling you abriana to say hey we're going to campaign for this we're going to i want you know susie needs a pony you pair well with this one let's go and and be able to support you know support that journey you know it's a acquiring a competitive horse is a hard thing to do. So yeah, the parents are gonna be doing what they can to support it. But I also know that if I've got the horse, I've got the horse.
3: Mm-hmm, right.
0: um, and if I can have a few of those where I can use the stuff that I've I've used for my my clients, I've, I've done it for the other people, why can't I do it for us? So mm-hmm. I would like to, as an owner, um, make showing horses more accessible to people that look like us mm-hmm. and connect with the trainers i have the history of being a trainer so i know when something doesn't sound right i know when something doesn't look right mm-hmm. but but take it from an owner perspective of if i can provide a resource um access to uh, insider secrets or trades that new people in the industry of any walk of life Are not afforded. If I can help us get there, that's what I want to do. I mean, I have no problem saying, "Hey, when you come, even you guys, come down and ride. Let's go. Let's go to a horse show. This is what it's like." So, the A, you're not by yourself in a very strange land. But B, um, that you can get immersed in something and actually enjoy it, whether it be as a spectator or a competitor. And so, I'm that passionate about my breed of horse. I'm also that passionate about how riding and having horses in my life has benefited me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think if we remove the barrier that it's automatically, oh, horses are too expensive for me to have, so I'm not gonna consider that. If we remove that or, or even show that, hey, there's three of us on this call, three brown faces, that makes a world of difference to that one kid that shows up and doesn't see anybody because we are used to being the only person in the room. Right. We we know what that's like and and not that it would stop us, but I know it would be very different. Um, my my first my dad was a trainer. My first trainer was also black, um and I'm well aware that that you know from youth to adulthood I had black horse trainers. So that definitely prepared me for how do I navigate a fairly uh, non-Black professional environment. Mm
3: -hmm. So
0: yeah, I think if I can share that, that's, that's my goal, to make it more accessible to people like us.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. Because I know when I I did my one little breed show, like, I didn't know. I didn't. It's
0: like, there's so much going on. I
2: knew nothing. Yeah. And it was a two-year-old. So it's not like we oh, wow. had, had to <laughs> achieve much of anything. I didn't have a flat walk and a running walk. We had well, yeah. feet. Like, we were going. We we were going.
0: Got-
3: <laughs> my goal
2: yeah. was not to die. Yeah. That was it. <laughs>
0: yeah. I made it in the ring and I made it out of the ring we're good um
3: we so, were yeah, so yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and that was the thing like knowing that and and having someone that you can either ask because you know again it's competition so unless you have a network already no one's gonna really tell you how to beat them right you know um right. i will never forget i was nine that was nine um and I, I'm used to showing a breed show. So I showed at this non, it was an open show and they had a different, it was a yearling class. It was like a lead, like a, yeah, it was a yearling. Halter class. Mm-hmm. And their method of showing Halter at this open show was very different than we do in breed shows. So I remember walking up to this guy and I asked him, I said, so what are we supposed to do? And he, one, the first one ignored me. The second one, um, well, you know, I'm good at this. He said, I'm good at this. I usually win this class. Um, you can watch what I do. Um, and maybe you'll learn something. And I was like, mm, okay. Anyway, yeah, it was one of those things. And so, but what I did is I said, well, don't be the first person in the ring. Cause you had to go in one at a time. Like it was literally, they judged you individually and then they judge you collectively. So I was like, okay, so I, may, I wasn't the first one, I wasn't the last. I was something like the fifth horse into the ring. And they had to like walk in, park, gate off, park out and, and do all of it. So I'm like, okay, so um, I knew my horse could park fine. I had practiced all of that. I wasn't really familiar with standing and then gating from a dead stop because that was not, that's not how we, and like you said, we got one gear. So anyway, long story short, I just did what I, I watched other guys doing and I won the class. Yeah, let me tell you, they weren't real happy about that.
3: But blue ribbon.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I won. I watched what you did.
0: Yeah, I won exactly. I won my first. That was my first blue ribbon ever, and, and it was the one time I didn't know what the heck was going on. But I knew I'm competitive enough to know I know what. Well, I'm gonna watch what they do. Mm-hmm. I'll see. And that guy retired. Never showed that horse again. The guy that told me that he would, he always wins that class. <laughs> And I knew him, he was in our, so the reason I asked him, he was in uh, in Tuscaloosa. We had a place called the Tuscaloosa Riding Club. And it was pretty much all gated horses. We had some quarter horses, but it was like a hundred stalls. So it was like people, you rent your 10, your five, whatever. And I knew him from the facility. So I thought he's down the hall, I'll ask, you know? And yeah, he never showed that horse again. Never showed her again. I thought, I beat you one time. Cause he yeah, been, he was he <laughs> yeah. I was like, it was my first time out and I beat you one time and you put this horse up and don't show her again. I see. Um, but I was hooked. I'm not going to lie. i was like, oh, okay, I, I can do this. I can do this. And and to me, that's why I know being a resource, there's things, whether it's just both textbook knowledge or, or experience knowledge or it is more than just having a horse intact. In mm-hmm. And if you can have someone that sincerely wants you to succeed, I have won and won and been high point and in multiple divisions. I have accomplished all but one. And actually, I don't want to say that I've accomplished all of my life goals with horses. I've accomplished I I, I wanted to win. Um I wanted to train a world champion in a in racking horses because that's what my dad trained. Mm-hmm. Um and he had won every, he'd won world championships, had never won a set of roads, had never won a world grand championship of horses that he had trained. And that, and he died before that happened. And so one of my personal goals was to do that. Mm-hmm. And I accomplished that in 2011. And so um, another, you know, a story that ended well that didn't necessarily start well. So after that, when I went to, um, I was, again, I was on Cloud Nanos, I, like, I got my new horse and I'm going to go, I told my parents, we're going to the international, we're going to the international championships, I ain't show up at one time, but we're going to international, so I'm like, okay, and my parents humored me, for whatever reason, so I got, I needed a tax stall, I told them I had to have a tax stall, and my horse stall, I have a halter horse, we ain't even riding, but I have a halter horse, <laughs> like, I need a tax stall, I need all this stuff, I was 12 maybe, and I had practiced. This horse was great. We had won this one show. And I get to the show and had a great show. Had a few, My horse worked perfectly. And I was standing on the rail and this man walks into the rail. He says, you have probably one of the best horse in here. But the best thing I could have told you is if you could swap colors with your horse, because it was a spot. I had a spotted horse. And he says, if you could swap colors with your horse, you'd win this class.
2: Someone else has said that same exact thing. I don't remember who yeah. it
0: was. Yeah. But we can <laughs> round them people
1: up and
2: tell them to stop saying
0: this. Exactly. And but, I was sitting there, I was wow. like, I'm 12 years old. And I had a my horse was gorgeous. He was uh white and brown with blue eyes. And and this guy flat out told me that. He was like, You got one of the best horses in the ring said, no, They're gonna, they're not gonna tie you. And they didn't. I got dead last. Got dead last. Because you're black. Um. <laughs> Yeah, but, and I, and I told that man that day, I said, I'm going to win this show. You just, you, I'm going to win this show. And and before it was said and done, I won that show. I was undefeated three years running in two different divisions at that show. Now I was 20, I think it was about 29, 28, 29 when this happened. But yeah, I went back and I said, I'm, I know how to do this. And I ended up winning the International World Champion or International Grand Championship um, One year I showed three times and won all three times. I accomplished that goal. But I know that if I can create a space that another one of our black youth doesn't have to hear that, yes. then I've done my job. If I can create a space where, you know what, you can show whether you wanna show a spotted horse or a solid colored horse or whatever you wanna show, you're gonna be a force to reckon with because you're gonna be well-prepared. And you have a team of people behind you that see your abilities, not your skin. Mm-hmm. And so that is yeah, we'll also those
2: pick are- somebody's butt.
0: Oh, totally. We going to win. I'm. Mean, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't show. Um, <laughs> My, it takes just as oh, much I money mean, to feed a man. Right,
1: <laughs> yeah. that's what I was, was thinking. Because like, yeah. I, I remember really <laughs> hearing those stories literally. and it's like, literally. somebody was, was with y'all so that he can react for you? Because I know in the moment... No, I was in the ring. I was literally <laughs> in the
0: middle of the ring. <laughs> that's yeah. And wow. my parents were at the... My parents in the stands and I was mm-hmm. literally in the ring, but he came up to the ring. Like, I was in the middle of the show as I'm showing to tell me this. And so I was funny. like, yeah. And so... But I knew then, and of course, you know, I tell my parents when I got out of gate, this just happened, and so, and of course, they handled the situation. But I know that, at us, we were in a very, um, I was in a unique position that, yeah, I was lucky enough to have two parents that actively supported me being a horse person,
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, and my dad was knowledgeable enough to have me with good horses, and it didn't cost an arm and a leg because well, he could train them himself. So I get i understand the level of privilege i had in that upbringing so if i can at least um share that with someone Mm -hmm. if i can say hey this is um you know this is what i can tell you from experience not theory not hope but from experience
1: yes so yeah so
0: that's that is my goal
1: yeah i'm all for that all of it because i i really do like You're older than Aubriana and both of y'all have been told that like, when does it stop? I would like for us to be able to just go to a show or a trail ride. Oh, I don't see it stopping. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to
0: say it that way. I don't see it stopping. What has to happen is the, the main reason I'm still respected in the industry is that I beat them. People come to me because I beat them. Mm -hmm. I'm, I am a black gay man and a walking horse, a Southern institution. Mm -hmm. Okay, I am well aware of the comments, and I don't care. (laughs) I know. You're going to have to deal with me in the ring, whether you like it or not. And so um, you can have your opinions about me as a person, but my horses speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I don't worry about when they stop saying things because they will always have something to say. Mm -hmm. Um, What I do want is that... um, To have raised and instilled in the youth that are around me and even the other adults, that it matters not what they say. Of course, check them. Don't let that, don't let that slide, but also don't let it impact you in such a fashion that it gets you either off your game or makes you feel some type of way because they have an opinion. Who are they to have an opinion? Mm -hmm. You know, we're here to show horses. And if you were really, you know if you can come talk to me about how, you know, the horses, that's one thing. But if, if all you can see right now is my face or my skin right. tone, I've already got you.
1: Right.
0: Because you're too busy looking at the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And and so that's why I, I don't, I don't waste my breath worrying about when they stop doing those things. But like I said, we will be there to beat you. And I want to be a environment that the, the children that I put in the ring can look at that person and keep on walking. Mm-hmm. Not even, don't even receive that in your spirit because it can get you off your game. But I think that, um, cause on a bigger scale, on a more, you know, a universal scale, I'm gonna get my phone charger. Uh, hopefully I don't lose you guys. <laughs> um, on a bigger scale, the, the thing is you have, these are world issues that we deal with on a very specialized, on a very um, microcosmic, uh scale it's fairly intense because mm-hmm. because we are in horses and because there's a level of affluence um that is incurred but so we can you know i'm not waiting on people to act right i'm just gonna do what i came to do so
2: yeah yeah i yeah. hear you oh, all that for sure yeah. you have given like so many gems. I've been writing down like <laughs> stamps so Thanks. that I can remember to go back and get some sound bites. But if you had, you know, a word of advice to give aspiring equestrians, what would you say?
0: Learn your craft. I don't care what it is. I don't care what discipline it is. Um, the reason I, I was able to win um, when I went back into the, that, that show, I could tell you the rule books in and out.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I learned, if I got to beat you on a technicality, I will beat you on a technicality. And because at the end of the day, a win is a win. What I learned, though, was it taught me to know my discipline inside and out. It taught me, I, I won't tell people, be committed to your craft, because you can always go back to that. Right. it's very easy to get caught up in the blue ribbons um and the spectacle we love the spectacle it's a show but it's it's the work um, as a theater person you know i took dance and ballet and you always go back to the bar you go back to the and you work on on knowing your thing so i said find something that makes you happy because you're going to be in it for a while so If it's a saddle seat or driving or eventing, whatever your thing happens to be, know it. Learn it, observe, look at who's winning, look at who's not winning, look at what are some common denominators. It may be something as simple as, are they wearing purple all the time? You know, something random, like what what are you seeing? What are the patterns you're seeing? Um, If you're in, if a young person in this discipline or in this industry, learn and be committed to your craft. Because when everything else falls apart, you can always go back to your 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 technique.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the horses are the horses. I love the horses, and and my horse doesn't care what color I am as long as I have feed him on time. So you know they don't really care. Um, stick to that. Stick to stick to the the core of why you started. Mm-hmm.
2: That's, good. Yeah. That's good. So we you know, always have this conversation about cowboy versus equestrian. And Mm -hmm. as someone who's from the South, what did your dad refer to himself as? Oh, I guess it
0: was just horse trainer, right? Yeah, my dad was a horse trainer, but we were, um, we were cowboys. I mean, I am actually total tangentially. I am, um, I was, while I was in Illinois, I was, um, Named Mr. Uh, Mr. Gay Rodeo for 20, 2010. and so I actively, you know, I've ridden barrels, I've done the whole thing. I'm fine being a cowboy. I don't have, I don't have issues with the words. Mm-hmm. I don't have because I know who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I also respect the fact that we were cowboys. We were. That's what we did. And um, mm-hmm. as a as a culture, um, that was one of the first. Um, opportunities to escape slavery
3: mm-hmm.
0: was being willing to risk your life being a cowboy going west right um my horse is named in in the honor of one of the first black women to do so and that's why she staged coach mary
3: yeah. and um
0: if you go reach to read about her and, and her getting the you know, first black woman to get a postal route
3: mm-hmm. and,
0: mm-hmm. and the tenacity in which she lived life and yeah. it's very much, you know, that is very much my mayor. And so she's, she's a handful. She doesn't care and she'll, she can hang with the studs with the best of them. And okay. so I want those, there's a purpose. That's why you know, her name is that. And that is why it's important because if nothing else, someone's going to hear that and go look that up. hmm and I want them to know that story. I want them to to know that. Yeah, we are. But I am. A, is, am I a cowboy? Sure. But am I? I, I I'm fine saying equestrian. That's that's so fancy now. <laughs> um, but but honestly, I ride horses. And and however, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Caitlin has a uh, stagecoach Mary book that ah. she reads a lot with saddle but, up and reads. So we know all about stuff and yeah. shooting yeah. up the uh kind of robber and stuff
0: yeah <laughs> she's ready and mm-hmm. that's that's why you know so to me that's so completely funny that my mare turned white she was solid black which was born but <laughs> she's like she's like white now but um but no that is but that is totally why you know we have some amazing stories that i refuse to get lost let get lost because of semantics you know we you know we evolve for various reasons and various places. And the fact that the successes and the fact that we are here and we did evolve. Um, but we did do some amazing things then.
2: I agree with you completely. I ride horses. Like I, I don't I don't care about labels either way, but yeah. I love to hear people's yeah. responses, especially when, you know, you come from the South and then yeah. you kind of enter a atmosphere where people are just a little bit more
0: a very European discipline
2: yeah yeah
0: yeah very which is very and you know it's easy it's very interesting when I see I there are a couple of guys that I used to work with who are still active as a in the profession um evolution is important I think it is easy to everybody isn't meant to be a horse trainer everybody there are so many ways you can be you can be at the top of your field in your particular area like there is to me i think i was a far better show presenter and and groom and and specialist i can train very very well but i think preparing teams for competition was my strength Mm
3: -hmm. more
0: so than just showing as a trainer and so it's easy to get caught up thinking you have to do what the next person does, or you have to be the lead this or that for you to be considered successful. And I'm like, no, find your thing, find your spot that makes you shine and find what makes your heart happy and and do that. It doesn't matter, you know, um, we need all areas. We need to be represented in all aspects. There needs to be phenomenal breeders, phenomenal trainers, phenomenal owners, and that's kind of, I realize the latter is a little harder for us as a culture, just because we are historically not included in that list. You know, we talk plenty of times, the Derby winners, the first set of Derby winners. of course, there are black men. Um, You know, I get that. We don't talk often a lot about black owners. And so if that's a space I can occupy, because I'm selling chocolate left and right, fine. <laughs> if, you know, if if that's if that's the method that I choose to get there,
3: mm-hmm.
0: I am totally fine. Again, I don't. You know, I used to be great at breaking coats. I'm not riding a coat. I don't want to see nothing that's two years old. But <laughs> I used that used to be my thing. <laughs> you know, that was. Yeah. I have a three year old now. I told the guy, I'm like, if he's not ready to his four year old, we're good. We're fine. Get him, just Keep working with him. You know. <laughs> It's okay, but I know that if I can get to, if I'm able to then provide both the knowledge that I have up to this point and the benefits of being a professional in another field that allows me to be a solid owner or an example as a good owner. Like, you know, there are things there's, we're learning, we're always learning along the way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm fine with that. I don't, I don't need to be on the back all the time because we're more than just riders. Right. We're, we're more than just grooms. We're, we're so many things. There's supportive industry. I think about main um, dresses a lot. I think about a lot of the other, uh, there are many ways that you can be a professional successful in the horse industry that mm-hmm. doesn't require wear and tear on your body um, or being someone's groom.
2: Right.
0: Yeah.
2: Preach. Yeah. So yeah breach
0: so you know we need all of those things we need to be able to to rely on ourselves and support ourselves by turning to others that happen to look like us that do those things we you know there's nothing we don't have a plethora of black fairies anymore actually i don't know any right now Mm -hmm. that's a very that is a skill that is a labor-intensive skill but it is a billable skill um you know learn it there's there's it it is suitable for someone not everyone but for someone um you know breeding i'm i've been in the industry and i think my bias is comes from my dad being like robert there's a new one born every day Mm -hmm. so he was like you can keep one don't get addicted to collecting you can keep one but remember there's a new one born every day so i'm not a huge I have no desire to be on the breeding side of things. Mm-hmm. I have been, I know how it works. Give them to me when I can do something. Cause that's three, you're looking at three, four years before you, from the start time, you decide you want to breed something. You're going to get a minimum three years before right. you can do a thing. Right. And that's if you were many things can happen? In three years, I'm a whole, I'm, you know, my business is only seven years old. I've done a lot of
2: things in that window of time. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so, I want something that I can do something with. So personally, I would rather be an owner than a breeder. I have no desire to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of my dear friends and someone who's in the group, uh, Jeremy Bridges is a breeder and his aspirations is to be um, a reputable breeder of quality show horses. So I encourage that. I got to give a horse from somewhere but I don't need to anyone <laughs> doing it. And I would right. much rather say I can turn to someone who I know and respect, who just happens to be in the young black equestrians, and buy a horse from. I can support. I got to spend that money somewhere, mm-hmm. and so I would rather do that. Um, yeah, I think if we can do it that way. Um, but I, I really something I want to do, and this is my personal wish for the group. I would love for us to do, as as post COVID per- permits and whatnot if we have opportunities to meet up and go to shows as a unit, yeah. just say, you know, whether it's a world show or something like that, where you go, this is my breed at its pinnacle.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Come, you know, I got tickets, we got, we got whatever, just come
3: mm-hmm. and let's
0: experience this. Just because you and I both know that if 10 of us show up, if 10 of these faces show up-
2: ooh, they're gonna be sweating. Gonna be,
0: see what I mean? And so it's gonna make a difference Period. They're going to notice us anyway. But and, and 10 of us show up who are knowledgeable horse people who are not dusty from trying to get someone else's other horse ready to go. Mm-hmm. There's an image thing that there's a psychological trigger when we show up looking as fly as we can look to enjoy a horse show. Yeah. Enjoy, just come and enjoy the show. The person, whoever's breed it is or, or collective breed it is yeah, let's talk about that. Ask ask questions. Let's go look at a breeding stable. Let's go look at the show barn. Hop on this horse and ride. It's an outing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know what? The next time we learn about reigning finals or we learn about the Morgan Grand National or, you know, let's get us some derby hats. I need a derby hat. Let's go, you know, and and do. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong. Sometimes showing up, it's a lot cheaper, but it makes a whole heck of a lot of impact.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: it does it just you know and there is strength in numbers and there is um being able to enjoy something you know openly that you again that you're interested in and have people around you who respect you Mm -hmm. um who value you and and who also have similar interests Mm
3: -hmm. you know
0: and I think there is nothing wrong you know, a year of us making the circuit, hitting all the shows, that's a newsletter in itself. Then she's <laughs> like, oh, well, they were here and they were there and, mm-hmm. and, you know, keep flyers in your back pocket because there's gonna be some black kids here wanting to know, yeah. yeah, this is what we look like when we get a little older. This is what we look like, you know, there is a future for you mm-hmm. in this. Right. And, mm-hmm. and if nothing else, if, and again i'm off these are my these are my pipe dreams but i would like that i think that could happen
3: and i don't think it's unreasonable
0: and i also think hey if you know i don't know how many are in our group and say look it's ten dollars this summer we need to buy a page in their program just so they have to look at the fact that you know what there's young black equestrians
3: mm-hmm.
0: represent that, that it exists somebody somewhere is going to open that and see that mm-hmm. you know and so I think that's important. Those are those are the little things that have far-reaching effects. Okay. That I, I think some. It's easy to think, oh, I've got to buy a horse. I've got to be paid, paid for training. I've got to haul to a show. I've got to do all of these things. I've got to be a winner to be impactful. No, you don't. Know, just show up.
3: Right.
0: Just show up. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. And- I hope I'm not boring you guys. I'm just like, these are things no, that I love. Like.
2: These, no, these are my passion. No, so, we, yeah. we have very similar visions. Corona kind of <laughs> yeah. threw. Everybody. Well, we yeah. whack. But, you know. Yeah. 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 But we, these
0: are things. Yeah, I think these are cool things. I think, yeah.
2: We all yeah. Here. So
0: yeah. let's
2: get into the derby round. <laughs> So the okay. derby round is where we ask questions and you choose one or the other. Um, first thing okay. that comes to your mind. Comes to mind. Okay. <laughs>
1: right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Caitlin, did you want to do the derby round? Yeah, I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, first thing that comes to your mind, just say what you're going to go with. English or Western? English. Solids or spots? Solids. Bays or Grays. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Brown
1: tack or black tack?
0: Black tack.
1: Sponge or a curry brush? Sponge. Okay. Shod or um, barefoot? Shod. Bumper pool or gooseneck? Gooseneck all day rope halter or nylon halter
0: nylon halter
1: wood fence or electric fence wood favorite piece of barn equipment
0: favorite piece of barn equipment my clippers
1: favorite piece of tech?
0: my saddle i have a 11 and rickets um Probably the most expensive side I've bought, but I mean, I love it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what was the last time you fell off?
0: The last time I fell off? It was seven years ago. I was at that international show. I had just won the driving class and I decided to hop on and show in the bareback class <laughs> um, because there was there was an bareback, I was like, I'll enter, she'll go. So I snatched the, the fine harness off Jumped on her and jumped completely right on off. <laughs> just like oh literally jumped on just on the ground. But we got second. We got we ended up getting second in the class, so we're okay. Yeah. Oh my goodness!
1: If money was no object, what is one horse-related purchase you would buy? I mean, you would make, not buy.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, I want. Um. I don't want to say farm because I think that's kind of easy. Uh, there's a I want a horse box, and I saw there's a company motor, um, EquiCoach, Equine Coach, I think it is. They have this huge, it's in America, this mm-hmm. huge horse box that has like um, it's like an RV in the front, mm-hmm. and like you can hold up to like four horses in the back, yeah. and that saves me money on hotels. Um, <laughs> And I can turn the back once the horses are in the stalls. I can turn the back into like a prep area. But um, well, if you got, I'll, I'll send a link later. But it, I think, it's Equicoach or, or motor, Equine motor Coach. Um, really good. They're they're like half a million dollars, though. so yeah, I don't I don't buy those. But uh if money was hard, Yeah, they're
2: a lot more common in the UK than they are here.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be
1: skinny roads up there.
0: <laughs> well again my horses like i said my horses are in tennessee i don't even bring them um and the few that i did have um like i'm used to pulling a bumper a uh, new snack and you know Julie, so it's fine but um mm-hmm. but yeah i'm give me a I, I would like it's cute it's like you, you can be bougie
1: you know right
0: <laughs> but you know we well, pull up you in that soon, house,
1: so you know, we can in see what yours look like right right yeah, <laughs> no,
2: yeah <laughs> that is too funny well thank you so much for taking I'm ten- time. i'm sending you a link i'm sending you guys the link okay okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> thank you for sis- taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us today there are so many gems like i got a whole page shame <laughs> that you know we need to be sharing out of this episode um, tell people where they can find you, and you know, become friends with you if they want.
0: Okay, um, I am a fine Chocolate Man on Instagram. That's probably the easiest way to catch me, um, because I do look at my, my DMs from that. Um, Robert Bowden. My business is uh, called Coco Vivere. C um, O C O A V I V E R E dot com um but yeah fine chocolate man is the easiest to remember and it's the most accessible interchangeable I'm there shoot me a message I will always answer questions or talk about disciplines I I am connected to a lot of people in other breeds it's not just walking horses for me um there's hunter jumper uh black trainers and hunter jumper uh reining all of those things so um I'm glad to you know, answer as best I can mm-hmm. um, those questions and and I would love to I'd love to expose more people to the breed that I love so I love
1: it um something that just popped in my head we just so happened to interview you during pride month (laughs)
0: Ah, oh that's true (laughs) again I'm a a bad guy sometimes I forget things and it's like oh yeah that's right um but uh I try to I try to one of those things um I try to one of the examples people always ask about living and making an impact um, I try to live uncompartmentalized. I think mm-hmm. it's very easy to believe that you can hide various aspects of yourself. And I think as black people, we are often, you know we quote co- code switch with the best of them. But I think that is born not out of a technique but a necessity. Mm-hmm. and And I think part of the evolution is, I don't want to say not given a flip, but at a certain point, it takes all of these facets of me to make me. And, and so I'm not ashamed of any of them, um, but I own them. And, and I want people to know that you can be a three-dimensional complex person. You're not, you're not in a box, you're, you're not. Um, I, when I moved to Jersey, I had someone ask, how did I have a lot of trouble being an openly gay horse trainer? And I said, there are more gay horse trainers than you realize.
3: Mm -hmm. But
0: at the same time, I said I had far more issue being a black horse trainer than Mm -hmm. I did being a gay horse trainer. Right. And that's just the reality. But no, it it is Pride Month. And I think um, I want more people to realize that there is a whole um, gay equestrian circuit. There is, um, you know, I was that's why I was a uh, Illinois gay rodeo uh, winner for 2010. There's a whole network of people. Who have created a safe space to be uh western centric um, uh, horse riding loving people who happen to have this other facet to their personality and um and i think it is important to regardless of your walk of life to embrace that yeah i'm not a one-hit wonder i'm not one note there are many other pieces um it we sometimes try to discount them and say oh i'm this i may happen to be this but i'm really no I am a black gay horse trainer that happens to own a business that allows me to do all the things that I do, and I don't create addendums around my my uh, adjectives. So, yeah. Love it. Love Thanks. It. Well, hey this has been so much fun though thank you guys yeah. this is, I, know, great.
2: I know and i'm looking at like i'm looking at this uh equine motor coach and i'm like okay oh, my daddy is he always yeah. like what's my next camper <laughs> this
0: this right here
2: see <laughs> right here Please. i was
0: like when you open the front and you just walk through the back va- oh okay see mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: yes i can get down with all that so yeah. I'm going to add that yeah. to my vision board.
0: <laughs> see, put that on your vision board. They're yeah. in Indiana. I do know that. Um, maybe they can, you know, do you need to do, why do you need a sponsor? You know, hey, why don't you know, we're going to go on the road and do what, see? Yeah. You know, we are exposing <laughs> you you to stop. a new market. You better stop. See? Like, like, hey, gonna, we, we're going to have to Maybe we don't need to own it. We just need to use it. You can right. keep it, you can get it back. Right, you know, we just right. I would it. prefer so, not you know, have
1: to pay for it. that's what i'm saying so i'm like you know
0: pictures for the gram yeah we will take (laughs) pictures we will we will put you in front of new markets that you clearly have no access to so you know but yeah i mean that's kind of the way you know i think it's tapping into stuff like things we would never see when when was the last you saw something like that in at least in america so yes to me i I look at doing stuff like that like how do we just show up just show Mm -hmm. up
2: yeah yeah
0: but, uh, but yeah thanks
2: guys thank you for tuning in to another episode of young black equestrians head over to our facebook or instagram pages and let us know what you thought about that episode leave us a review on apple podcast and have the opportunity to be featured in our next episode see you next week